Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigSceneDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. When you think about the name Edgar Allan Poe, the first thing you think about is his literary accomplishments of a great poet who wrote about a raven and some other interesting stories of the macabre back in the 19th century. But he had a relative, Edgar Allan Poe, that was a quarterback. In fact, a good quarterback, the first All-American at that position in college football. Our friend Jeffrey Payne has some great pieces to his collection, and he's going to tell us a little bit more about Edgar Allan Poe, the quarterback of Princeton, coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And welcome to another edition where we get to have our friend Jeff Payne uh, from the VFC, a collector, historian, and a great preserver of football history joining us. Jeff, welcome back to the Pigpen. So great to be here, Darren. I appreciate it. This is going to be fun. Yeah, you have some really exciting things to talk about, uh, you know, here from the college game tonight. And uh, this is going way back into the 19th century. And uh, it's a very poetic, uh, if I may say that, uh, that, that you're going to be talking about. So I'm going to let you set it all up and, uh, you know, knock them down here. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. Yeah, I thought we'd take a little little twist and go college tonight just for for fun. Um, you know, college season ended recently as long as well as the pros. So I was just thinking about some some of the early early greats and one jumped to mind that I thought would be interesting to talk about. And that is a gentleman named Edgar Allan Poe. And a lot of people didn't know that, you know, this poet, he was a heck of a football player. Boy, he was, you know, a heck of a player in his day. Uh, no, it's not the poet. It's not the poet. Uh, they are related, though. Um, and interestingly enough, they're they're related. That um, Edgar Allan Poe, the poet, is Edgar Allan Poe, the football player's great uncle. And his second cousin twice removed. I guess the family tree was a little convoluted. <laughs> there was some the marrying of cousins in there, apparently, which means that he's actually related. They're related in two different directions, which is kind of interesting. Hey, you have to keep that Poe name going somehow, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and, and I, I was first attracted to Ed Ground Poe, the football player, 
because of his great uncle, right? I mean, I remember reading some of those poems and, you know, short stories when I was a kid. And I liked that kind of stuff when I was a kid. And and I just thought it was really cool that, you know, his namesake played college football and not only played college football, but was really good. You know, he was on the uh, the first All-American team. He's the first All-American quarterback in college football history, 1889. First year they selected a team, and he was the selection. He played for Princeton, and um, they went undefeated that year and uh, won the national championship. So, you know, he's he's pretty well pretty well known in the early football, um, you know. Yeah. Now, didn't he, he had a bunch of brothers that were pretty good football players for Princeton too. They they kept the the roster stocked up pretty good there and in, uh, in Princeton. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing the family had some cash. Is my bet because yeah. you don't send six boys to Princeton in the 1800s unless your family's got some money. You know, I know his dad was the Attorney General of Maryland, mm-hmm. and Edgar Allan Poe also eventually became the attorney general of Maryland followed in his father's footsteps. In fact, he got a law degree and practiced law with his dad for a time as well. But yeah, there were six brothers that played there. Two of them were all Americans at ground Poe and his, his younger brother, Arthur Poe was also an all American, but they all played all six played. And, and Arthur's um, uh, in the college football hall of fame too, I believe he is. He's, yes. I believe he's the only Poe in the college football hall of fame. Now, hit, um, one of the, the brothers, John Poe, Johnny Poe, he was named after his father, John Prentice Poe. He was he might have been the best of them, but he had a lot of trouble studying. And, and he <laughs> uh, he made Marcy as a freshman. He was also, I believe, class president as a freshman. So obviously a very, you know, uh, outward, gregarious, you know, leader type. Um, but he played football. He made varsity his freshman year, and then he got he got sent home for grades for the second semester. And I don't know what he did to kind of recover, but he was back in school in the fall to play football again. Played and did really well again as a sophomore. He was a star, and then he got asked to leave again. And that time <laughs> he didn't come back. So uh, tragically, he 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 became a mercenary. He started fighting in wars all over the world. He was an adventure seeker. And he ultimately, unfortunately, got killed um, doing that. Uh, but there's Poe, po, I think it's Poe Field. One of the fields at Princeton is named named in his honor, John Poe, hmm. in his honor. So that's Edgar Allan Poe, the football player's brother. So Yeah, so, so two semesters in college, and both of them were uh, college football seasons. Yeah, isn't that funny how that worked? Yeah, yeah. Even Princeton <laughs> was, you know, cooking the books maybe a little bit to, right. to keep the <laughs> – Bring, bring in the ringers. Star. Yeah, <laughs> keep him in the game. So one quote I saw that I thought was funny was apparently when Princeton and, and Harvard played um, after the game, the story goes that a, that a Harvard um, alum came up to a Princeton alum and said, hey, I, I need to ask you about this fellow Edgar Allan Poe. He's, he's a really good player. Um, is he related to the great Edgar Allan Poe? And the Princeton player or alum kind of stuck his nose up in the air and he said, he is the great Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> so it's like touche. Yeah. Overshadowing the, the poet there because so yep. football football had a bigger priority back then too. See? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Some things never change, right? Right, right. 
Maybe that alum yep. had it right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I started collecting some Edgar Allan Poe stuff. It's it's hard to find. Like a lot of that early, you know, college uh, memorabilia, it's just really difficult to track anything down from that era. There obviously weren't a lot of cards produced and even photographs weren't, you know, as common, obviously, as they became. So it's kind of hard to find stuff, but I have been able to track down a few cool things I thought I'd share with with you today. Yeah. Uh, the first one's first one's my big dog, I call it. Um, back in the um, late 1800s, a popular form for photographs were called cabinet cards, and they were, you know, cards affixed to a cardboard backing. And people, you know, displayed them. There were albums you could insert them in. There were sleeves and albums that you could put these cabinet cards in and you could, you know, prop them up. You could trade them. You could do whatever you wanted with them. And in fact, some um, college albums actually were made with cabinet cards. They would produce cabinet cards and put them in the albums for the, for the, um, you know, students that bought the, bought the, um, the yearbooks and in fact you mm. could customize them you could decide who was going to be in your yearbook right because they were all interchangeable now of course you know people pulled most of them out <laughs> if it's anybody <laughs> famous or a team they've been purchased and pulled out over the last hundred years or whatever um but yeah but these things cabinet cards were really popular the standard size was pretty small they were kind of six and a half by four and a quarter kind of so you know Kind of a good, strong you know, card. Those are the most um, the most um, frequent ones that you see is the, the kind of traditional size, the standard size. But there were other sizes actually as well that you don't see very much. You don't even see them, you know, um, non-sports ones very much. There was a real tall, skinny one. Um, I, I My French isn't that great. I believe all these were French words. It's called mm. boudoir or boudoir or boudoir. <laughs> have to ask a French French major. Boudoir cabinet, which was taller, eight and a half by kind of five and a quarter. So really tall and skinny. A lot of times those were used for landscape. If you wanted something tall, show something skinny and tall or, you know, horizontal, very wide, skinny and wide. They would use that um, look because you could kind of get you know, a, a little closer with it. But the, the big dog was what are called the imperial cabinets. And those things were these big, huge cabinets. And size is like nine and three quarters by like six and three quarters. They're big. You don't see very many of those. Football or non-football, sports or non-sports, you just don't see them. I'm assuming they were very expensive is my bet. Because I'm sure as the photographs got bigger, right, the equipment, you know, got probably more expensive and 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 harder to obtain back then. Um, and so you don't see very many of those imperial size cabinets. Yeah, I mean, just to sit there think about it, it's almost like the size of a, a piece of a copy paper, huge. just a little bit smaller. <laughs> it's huge. Yeah, yeah, well, let me pop up and show you because I was fortunate enough, collector friend had an imperial cabinet of Edgar Allan Poe. And I'm guessing it was paid for and produced by his family. I mean, they wouldn't have been done for a college or anything, because I'm sure, as mentioned, it was really expensive to do this at such a scale. But it is a great image. And let me pop it up here real quick. 
Yeah, and, folks, uh, folks that are on the podcast side, on the YouTube side, Jeff is sharing a screen and uh, bringing a, a, an image of Edgar Allan Poe. Wow, is it beautiful? So, yes, there's there's Edgar. If for those that can't see it, it's full. You know, he's in his full uniform. It's it's toes to head, heads to toes, fake background. This was done uh, in a studio. You know, kind of a you know, one of the most famous um, producers of photography back then was. You know, some people pronounce it Patch, Pock, Pack, uh, Brothers. Uh, it was a studio. As you see down bottom, there's an address, and it's kind of cut off, but it says Pock Brothers over on the left. Um, so it is one of the Pock Brothers yep. imperial cabinets. He's yeah, holding a football. Gorgeous, and, gorgeous egg-shaped uh, watermelon ball. I know. Look at that thing, on. right? Yeah, there's not a, a sharp mm -hmm. edge on that one, is there? <laughs> Yeah, I was looking at that figure, and you know, it's a good thing they didn't pass back then, because I don't, I don't know what you do with that thing, you know. Right. You see yeah. People, you know, where they like slung it over their head, you know, and stuff like that. It's like throwing a, I don't know, like a, like a shot put or discus or something, you know. <laughs> and uh, you know, these photographs back then, I, I don't believe, I think they were uh, still were that the flash on the flash photography back then. It took uh, a few seconds to go off, so they had to hold a pose. That's why you, you never they see did. too many people smiling because they were uncomfortable from staying in the same position for, for so long. And exactly. Poe's got a little bit of a sourpuss look on his face too. So <laughs> he does. Yeah. And if you go to his Wikipedia page, you'll see it's not this exact image, but it's just slightly off. So it was probably, you know, another shot that they took because it's the same uniform, same background, same ball. It's just his head's turned a little bit to the side and, but it definitely was taken at the same time. Uh, that image that's on Wikipedia. Yeah, that is a very, very nice uh, image. Now, is there, uh, it was just a, a, a canned background that they're standing in from, right? Like a screen or something like we would yes. see it like Olin Mills or Sears, like when you'd take the kids to get their photographs taken. Yeah. And I know some of the, um, the shots of the Yale players, you know, there's a famous fence, in Yale and they the, sit the on Yale the wall. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Pac must've set something like that up because there were lots of photographs in their studio that looked like you were on campus, but I believe they were done in the studio. I wouldn't be surprised if this background is a, you know, a Princeton uh, background that Pac used for Princeton players, you know, or yeah, that, that's alums, where I'm going to go with know. it. Cause you always see like the, the Walter camp, you know, it, it even says in this, the title of it, Walter camp on the Yale fence. And you know, a lot, like you said, a lot of the players, you know, Pudge Heffelfinger, all of them are on the Yale fence uh, in their images. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that's one, one item. Um, yeah. And I was so excited when I won that, you know, you, you know, when something, things come up for auction you see things you like and you're like oh that'd be nice i'd like to have this when when i heard this thing was coming up to auction i was like this is like a thing you you got to go after you got to go hard for this because i've and i've never seen not just a, another imperial image of poe but i've never seen i don't think another imperial football um cabinet card i'm sure there's some out there but i've never seen one at auction yeah, I've never heard of one that big. That's I mean, that's no. gigantic. But I tell you what, they just think about the photography. This is a hundred and thirty over hundred and thirty years ago. This image was taken, mm -hmm. and it looks almost like he could walk off the page and you know walk no. right into your your room that you're sitting in because uh, it's yeah. very very vivid and a lot of detail on it for 
being a 19th century image. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so let me switch gears and talk about another okay. smaller piece, which I think you'll find interesting. Let me pop this one up and we can talk about it. So uh, a collector, another collector buddy of mine ran into and found um, a set of 10 um, images of football players from Princeton in their kind of senior portrait outfit. So this is his, this is Edgar Allan Poe's senior portrait for his senior year at Princeton. It's all gussied up, as you can see, nice, big, fat. You know, um, not in a tie. That's like a his tie. quadruple right? Windsor there or something. <laughs> I know. I was looking at that thinking, how many times did he wrap around on that thing? But that was probably, you know, it's probably the style then, right? Right. Get the little collar with the, you know, little ends the, on it. The end um, of the tie probably comes to, you know, way above his belly button. If he took his, yep. his jacket. Wow. Another Pac, you know, Patch Brothers, Pac Brothers. Um cabinet card this is the standard size so this is the size that you typically see um for cabinet cards that are out there and um a, a buddy of mine ran i found 10 of these somebody was selling them i don't know if they got them out of a yearbook probably did and um all he knew about them was that it was 10 football players Someone had written names on the back. He wasn't sure if they were accurate or whatever, but there were names written on the back. And he reached out to me and he said, hey, there's one card in here. I don't recognize any of the names, but but this one name I recognize, but only the last name because it says Pete Poe on the back. And he's like, who the heck is Pete Poe? Well, that was um, Edgar Allan Poe's nickname was Peter or Pete. Um, he went by that at school. Um, you know, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it was a thing with his uncle. Who knows? You're getting tired of listening <laughs> listen to people talking about the Raven or something, you know? Right. Little, little did he know the Raven would make him an appearance in pro football. But um, <laughs> but yeah, he, he said, you know, do you know who this is? And I'm like, oh, I know exactly who this is. I can tell just by looking at him, it's Edgar Allan Poe. And, and I was aware that he went by Peter or Pete as a nickname. Um, and so, you know, I, I told the the collector i was like I'd, I'd really like to have it but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pull the wool over your eyes this is edgar Allan poe the other people i said i have no idea who they are they don't sound familiar i don't think they may not have even played through their senior year um if you say they were football players i believe you uh, but there's nobody else in in this group that's you know noteworthy uh, i mean the, the quality of this piece it doesn't look like there's any i mean the other one had a little bit of damage on the edges but this one wow it looks very pristine for for the age of it wow remarkable yeah they were all like that that's why i think they were taken out of a a yearbook they probably were in there for you know who knows maybe a hundred years or more and and somebody yeah. acquired the yearbook and slid those babies right out of there and and started selling them off now, but, now, um, how, in, in, now in the 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 uh the vessel that they were in in the yearbook you know it's, this is long before plastic, I'm assuming. So how, what were they like a, like a vellum or something they were sliding them in? Yeah, it was like, um, uh, I have, I have an old yearbook from the 1880s, uh, from Yale. And basically think of it as two pages kind of pasted together. The top page had cutouts, usually two per page cutouts and a slit that you could slide these up into, into the cutout so you could see the image okay. between the two pages. So they had this little, 
you know, way to get between the pages and slide these into the opening that the top page had so you could see the, the images. And then they just stayed there because they, you know, kind of slid in there pretty tight and um, wow. made it pretty bulky, though. They're pretty bulky, you know, I'll because bet. these are all cardboard, you know, backed and you start, you know, throwing those into pages in a yearbook and it gets pretty thick pretty fast. Yeah. Wow. So, Amazing. But yeah, you, yeah, they're kind of cool, those yearbooks. Yeah, it looks like in this image, he's telling them, hey, why don't you get my, my good side in this photo here? Let me look over to the side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here, the turn pose. the other way. <laughs> yeah, and the, uh, cool. the, I, did, uh, I did pick up all 10 of the, of the cabinet cards just because I was interested in seeing if I could track down the other nine, find out if anybody there had, did anything noteworthy. You know, I found a few tidbits, but um, as mentioned, none of them played football all the way through their college career. A lot of them were on the freshman team, that ground Poe, and maybe dropped off or, you know, didn't make varsity and got discouraged. Um, there were two, interestingly, there were two players with the same last name as mine, Payne. And I was like, oh, wow, maybe, you know, one of them's a, a relative, you know? So I right. started digging into, you know, where their families came from and just trying to figure out, you know, was there any connection at all? Because I thought it would be pretty cool to have a, you know, a, a card from a a relative. Right. Um, one I rolled out pretty fast just based on where that person came from. My, I, I know where my family's lived for the last couple hundred years. We've done, you know, some genealogy stuff through the decades and. I was like, nope, that's not, that's not it. Maybe way, way back somewhere, but nope. But the other one actually was a um, kind of Northwest Pennsylvania where you and I grew up, Darren. Oh, really? Um, I wasn't able to attach this person to the tree anywhere. So I'm not exactly sure what the relationship might be, but you know, he was from the general vicinity of, of my family. So who knows, right? Yeah. Could, could be, you never know. Huh. Never know. Very so cool. That's, that's the second. The third one um, needs a little bit of setup. And and that is around um, something called a trade card. I know you're familiar with trade cards, Darren. So mm -hmm. trade cards were kind of like business cards back in this, even this back to the 1700s and into and through the 1800s. They were usually square rectangular. They were bigger than what today we would think of as a business card, you know, more like a postcard size. A lot of them are. Sometimes you see them as, you know, almost like bookmark size too. And sometimes you do see them more square. Uh, but basically they were something that merchants would, you know, put their um, address, put an advertisement on, you know, to and give them out to patrons, give them out to people to get them to come to their store and, and buy their goods and services. And publishers and printers started you know, printing these, you know, with images on them, interesting images, sports images, you know, landscape images, other images. Um, and then what what the printers would do was sell packs of these to um, merchants who would then ask them to be customized, put some, you know, some text on the front, maybe a slogan or maybe your address. And then on the back, you know, put a big ad or something about your, your company. And, and that way you had this really kind of cool, interesting image 
that you know was was produced but then you had something that was specific to your business and you could hand them out to to people so i mean there's a lot of trade cards out there you see them all over the place i'm sure you've seen them there are these are ones are like the, like this like the cigar store or like the cigar advertisement yep. ones those are okay yeah mm -hmm. I, i'm familiar could be with cigars those. could be you know any kind of merchant really yeah, and, and they're not usually very expensive, so you can pick them up pretty cheap if they're generic. That's the other thing is because these were printed to be, you know, kind of customized by, you know, the people that were you know, purchasing them, the merchants, you know, the images on them are not of anyone typically that you know, right? It's They're usually cartoonish or, you know, just kind of generic football images showing people kicking a ball running with the ball tackling somebody things like that but really nondescript and and not very personal right but what's interesting is that um, another collector picked up a set of six trade cards that all had football images on them and they all had football slogans at the bottom that seemed to be referencing plays in a game and a couple of them actually mentioned real players on them and this got him to dig into this he took a deep dive into this and he figured out that it appears that someone maybe it was yale university maybe it was princeton maybe it was promoters of their big game in 1890 had a set created that references plays that happened during their big championship game in that year, 1890. And Yale ended up winning that game, and they won the, the national championship in 1890, beating Princeton. I think it was on Thanksgiving, too. You know, big rivalry right. game. You know, they used to play back on Thanksgiving way back then. And he pieced this together, and he um, looked at newspaper clippings and kind of tried to figure out for all the cards, who are the people that are being referred to in these slogans down at the bottom of these trade cards? Well, the easy one was Edgar Allan Poe because that card actually has Poe's name on it. Um, interestingly enough, it's one of the ones that's mentioned. And it, by the way, looks nothing like – I'll show it in a minute. No, it's nothing, it doesn't look anything like Edgar Allan Poe. The uniform colors are all wrong. These are clearly not images that were produced for this purpose, right? Mm-hmm. But someone repurposed them and made them work in in terms of what happened in the game, which is kind of pretty cool. Actually, you could sort of consider it to be the the first, you know, football card set, really, you know, right. trade cards. But that's 1890. Now, now that predates Mayo by four years. Now, didn't they used to have, I believe, that Thanksgiving game, uh, Yale and Princeton, it was played in New York City quite often to try to get mm -hmm. the crowds and they tried to really put a lot of hubbub oh, about yeah. it to you know, get you know people to come in and play, pay the gate fee and and everything yep. and I bet you that these cards might have been part of that the you know the yeah on the paraphernalia and the, you mm -hmm. know getting everybody fired up for it so very, yeah. very cool now based on the slogans they would have been printed after the game because they reference the game Okay. But they could have been done you know shortly thereafter as a memento or something who knows who knows how these were 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 used the the Edgar Allan Poe card on the bottom says, Peter Poe, the hero of the hour and the darling of the ladies. What's funny is the 
image has this football player with a crutch. He's got a, his arm in a sling. His head's <laughs> all bandaged up. He's got a black eye. Well, if you read up on it, Edgar Allan Poe had some injury challenges his senior year, you know, the fall of 1890. In fact, he did not make All-American in 1890, made it in 1889, his junior year. He was not the All-American selection. Senior year, won as Princeton lost to Yale. You know, and that, you know, whoever won had pretty big influence over who was on the All-American team. But two is, you know, he 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 had injuries. He was hurt. I know he played in the game, but I also know he was in and out and there were some challenges. So this picture was a perfect depiction of of uh <laughs> of Pete Poe or Edgar Allan Poe, all banged up. You know, but still apparently the darling of the ladies. So, you know, he had that he had that going for him, right? Yeah, uh, and probably daddy's money didn't hurt either. So well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now I've never seen another one of these trade cards that says Pete Poe, the hero of the hour and the darling of the ladies. Never seen another one of those. However, uh, on eBay, you know, my friend eBay, um, up popped the image, the trade card image. Here it is. Wow. It just says the hero of the hour and the darling of the ladies. They left off the Pete Poe. It's a different font. And this was definitely a, a you know, a, a merchant because you got Best Carpenter and Company Clothier and Hatters at the bottom. And on the back, there's an ad for Best and Carpenter or whatever they call. But this is the image that the, the <laughs> card that the you know, that says Pete Poe, the hero of the hour and the darling of the ladies. You see how messed up he, he oh, is yeah, he's... on this uh on this trade card. He's got that uh, giant uh, egg head on uh, the little body too. <laughs> you know, yeah. this is a, it really reminds me of um, some like vintage, uh, almost like children's books, like, you know, the old uh, Aesop fables and stuff mm -hmm. when we were kids that they were, they would read to us and it had these old, uh, you know, vintage European images. That, that's what this reminds me of quite a bit, but very, very beautiful colors in it and uh, very football oriented. Very cool. Yeah, once they started color printing, you know, trade cards really took it up a notch, you know, in the mid to late 1800s. And yeah, and, and a lot of them are drawn like this, you know, they're caricatures. And there's a couple of pretty famous artists who did a lot of the artwork for trade cards. And they, they look like this typically when, when they depict people, um, particularly, you know, baseball players, football players, you know, other athletes, you'll see it almost like a cartoon type of a caricature and you'll see the colors are all messed up. I mean, there's no color, <laughs> you know, it's I'm trying to figure out the the two guys in the background must be throwing their hats up on the air in celebration. Maybe. I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. The ball's laying there on the ground. It looks like a fumble to me. I'm not sure what's going yeah. on. <laughs> and how do you get on the field with a crutch? Yeah. He crutch <laughs> so, and uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely banged up pretty good. There is actually this game, this 1890 Princeton versus Yale game. There is actually a famous painting. You'll see prints of it. You can get the prints really cheap of, of I think, Yale scoring a touchdown um, that somebody did for this game. And I know the originals go for a lot of money, the original prints. But, um, yeah, this is a pretty famous, famous game that was out there. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Yeah, so that's my that's my Edgar Allan Poe memorabilia and stories. Yeah, that's I mean that's 
excellent uh, to, to be able to look back at the you know the 19th century football. You know, football's you know less than really maybe a, a decade and a half old, maybe at that time of football that we mm-hmm. would recognize as being football and not not rugby or soccer. Uh, you know, that's yeah. uh, very yeah. very very slick, and to have that much uh, information about it is uh, really cool too. No, still no we, passing though. No passing yet. Yeah, no passing. That's that's another uh, few years after that. That's right. But th- now there's some uh, you know really cool things like this. Uh, you know that that you share and others share in a group that uh, we both belong to that that you mm. manage and uh, you know encourage people to to share these things. I want you to tell us a little bit about that and maybe somebody out there might be interested in in partaking in it and how they can do that too. Yeah, sure, Darren. Love to. Yeah. So I started um, Vintage Football Community, VFC. It's been about, gosh, time flies, probably five and a half years now or so. And really, it was because most of the forums that are out there, sports forums, hobby forums, very baseball focused. I like baseball. Baseball is a fine sport. Mm -hmm. However, football is a better sport. And uh, a lot of times there just wasn't a lot of football talk on these boards. It was dominated by baseball. And, you know, at some point I felt like, well, maybe base, maybe football needs a home. Maybe, maybe I could create something where, you know, collectors who really want to share and talk about the hobby and share knowledge and information could meet. You know, a lot of times when you go to shows, you talk to dealers and they always say the same thing. You know, they say, what do you collect? And I'm like, oh, I really like pre-war football. And they go, oh, oh uh, there's none of that out there, boy. Oh, I don't even know what you'd collect. I'm thinking, <laughs> well, you ought to join VFC because there's a lot of stuff, right? Oh, like yeah. we just talk. Cool you start looking at trade cards and cabinet cards and tobacco cards and, and you know, all, all sorts of other types of memorabilia. Um, there's a lot of pre-war stuff and people don't know that they don't know that because there's nowhere you can go and share it and talk about it and whatnot. And that's what VFC has become. So we're always looking for additional collectors, new members. It's free. Uh, if anybody out there is interested, you can, you know, reach me through Darren or however you, you want to share my contact info. I'm always happy to talk to people about VFC and what we're doing and, if people want to share their their knowledge and learn a lot in the process, because you'll learn a lot from others, it's a place to be for football. Yeah, it, it's like opening up uh, history pages of football every single day, and you really don't know what's going to come at you. You know, you you have it categorized, and uh, you know it's uh, you know so there's different different genres. There's you know more modern football and you know pre-war and you know, ancient football, I guess you would call it this category. It yeah. doesn't get much older than that, the, the stocking cap era of football. And uh, just some fascinating things. And usually the, the collectors have some great information on it or a little backstory or, you know, what it's all about, just like uh, Jeff shared with us tonight. So it's a great uh, organization, a great uh, place to visit and, you know, kill, kill a few minutes each day uh, on the old internet it's a great thing so and you'll yeah. see something every week you've never seen before i still i think my favorite word on vsc is wow <laughs> i say it all oh, the really? time because you see stuff and you're just like where has this been all my life i didn't even know this existed and that happens i swear every week somebody posts something that those of us that have been collecting for a long time have never seen 
Yeah, I think it's I amazing. wear out the 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 thumbs up like button on <laughs> my VFC uh, entry every day because that's yeah. <laughs> there's a lot oh, of cool geez. stuff. Yeah, definitely. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for for coming on and and you know sharing your your images uh, here on the YouTube channel, sharing the stories of uh, these this great player from yesteryear and a little bit about his family and his background. And it's just a, a cool thing that this guy's remembered 130 some years later uh, by folks like you that preserve the history and uh, by collecting it and then sharing uh, the stories with others. So thank you very much. Thank you, Darren. I really enjoyed it. It was fun. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.